he's home. He made it. All right, here we are. Started a little early, so I had to start it all over. People were coming on here, so glad you're here today. And uh, as I wrote on Facebook, please be uh, speaking over me because I'm pretty weak right now. I'm having one of those 24-hour migraines, so it makes me kind of shaky and tired. But I'm going to get through this, and the, the Spirit of the Lord is stronger than yes. anything else. Yes. So, uh, I got up early this morning and started on chapter 10. This is going to really be a good book. Uh, I'm real excited. Lynn, uh, Lynn Garner contacted me and him and the Bynums over in Arizona. Uh, they made a contact with a book company that you can publish books are really easy and really inexpensive, and they'll really be nice paperback books. I'm sure they're not going to be hard, but they're going to be paperback books. So I'm gonna, he's going to do all my books for me, a little bit at a time, and you only order them as you sell them, so you don't have to spend, put a big investment in them. So awesome. this is going to be a good book, and living his Holy Spirit too is going to. So, all right, I uh, as I started this, I was I was thinking about all the days that uh, the Bible uses the day of the Lord and all kinds of things like that. And in my lifetime, I'm 68 years of age. In my lifetime, I've heard so many days spoken of, it's unbelievable. You know, uh, when we met Brother Garner, people started talking about the third day, right? Mm -hmm. Even the scripture talks about the third day. But the problem with it is it's always out in the future someday, or it's always something we're trying to obtain okay. to. Mm -hmm. So the word day and day of are used often in religious writings and books of the Bible and and sermons and prophetic words that people call prophetic words. And uh, I'm glad to see Kathy's talk about the prophetic, and I, but she's talking about the prophetic truth. That's what she's talking about more than anything else. But it can be used as the time between sunrise and sunset. We know that. You know, today is a day when the sun came up, the day began. Actually before that, but it came up and went down. It can be used as talking about a period of time. So it could be a year. You know, the day of your youth or the day of your senior or whatever, different days like that. It includes a single or many years. In the King James Version of the Bible, it's used 379 times, the day or the day of. So it's used quite a bit. And we find it used often in the Pentateuch and in the rest of the Old Testament as the Feast of the Lord. And it talks about the, the you know, the day of whatever, you know, it's all, you can fill in the blank. And then I just kind of listed some of them. So the days of the feast, there's the, the day of judgment that we hear about. There's a day of fasting, a day of gladness, a day of wrath, which we know is really love. A day of destruction, a day of battle, a day of trouble, a day of power, a day of Jerusalem, a day of vengeance, a day of adversity, a day of calamity, a day of death, a day of one's birth, a day of prosperity, a day of gladness, a day of visitation. You know, it just visitates back and forth. Then the day of the east wind. You know, and that to we know that's revelation and understanding. The day of rain is actually teaching. A day of darkness is no understanding. And there's a day of gloominess, a day of trumpet, a day of small things, a day of his coming, a day of necessity, a day of clouds, and many, many more references where it talks about day of. So I can see where religiosity uh, and it just it, people in general. They, they, are, they believe in certain days, days of dispensation, days of revelation. Uh, I used to talk about all the time when uh, I met Brother Garner, began to study under Brother Garner, began to teach. I would, I would always say, I know this is the day because so many people are waking up. Because <laughs> we always had to make it time sensitive. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, it's now. Mm -hmm. It's now. It always has been. You know, whatever it is that God's revealing, whatever it is God did, you know, there's a preacher here in Oklahoma that's on uh, radio all the time, KTOK advertising, and he always said, you'll never know what God's going to do. 
you know. And uh, so that comes from all this. So in the New Testament, we discover and we find the day of judgment. That's in the New Testament. And of course, people think that's a coming judgment, right? That we're all going to be judged for sins or whatever. And then we say the day of wrath. But now we have found out that that's orge. That's the intense, passionate, longing for love of God. And then the revelation of the righteousness of God. And then there's the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was a day. That was a time period. That was a time that Jesus appeared on the earth to do away with the Mosaic law, to enter into the judgment of the world. In other words, they wanted him dead. They wanted somebody to pay a price. And so he entered into that himself willingly. And the day of salvation. And we think that is either a future event or we think that's the day we, quote, got saved. And we all make that time sensitive, right? Just like we tried to make what Jesus did as time sensitive. Then there's the day of Christ and the great day of God Almighty. And the day of Christ to me would be the day that I wake up that I'm the Christ, that I'm Holy Spirit, that you're Holy Spirit. And the day of the, the great day of, of God Almighty was what God decreed and declared from the foundation of the world. That was the operation of God. I thought the operation of God was the crucified, died, buried, quick, and raised, and seated, but it wasn't. The crucified, died, buried was the operation of man's judgment. And the quickened, raised, and seated was God revealing to man who they always were. And he never left man in that false state of understanding. So as the writing of this book here that, I, and that I'm teaching out of, as I said, I've lived uh, over 68 years in my body on this earth. And during my childhood and adult uh, uh, life, I've heard many preachers talk about days to fear and days that I better be ready for. Right? All of us have been there. And... Uh, there are also days that I've longed for and I've been ready for. You know, I've longed for better days in my life, have you not? I'm Like today, I long for the day that I'm no longer gonna have this dis-ease in my body. I know it doesn't belong to me, I don't give it a power, but I am experiencing, I'm not gonna sit there and deny that I'm not experiencing. I'm not denying that Rod's not experiencing what his body's going through, but we still know it is not a power. Amen. That, you know, greater is our spirit within us than that yes. part that's identifying, if you would, with that sickness and disease. So yes, I long for, but I don't long for some better day to come in the future because God's going to bring it to me or Jesus is going to come back and do something for me. I long for a greater and greater and greatest awareness of who I already am. You know, to, to the point that we can literally say no more. We're not living out of this stuff anymore. Amen. And we can say that already. So we made all the days in the Bible time sensitive when they're really experiences. They're not times. They're not things that's going to happen. They're experiences. Everybody needs to have their own day of the Lord. Everybody needs to have their own experience with what Jesus came to reveal to us. And additionally, I've read many hundreds of books in my past, and I'm not exaggerating. I used to have over 850 books in my library and read a large part of them including many boring commentaries. <laughs> and they always spoke of coming events that were usually fearful events. Fearful events. These types of books continue to be written and they're sold to the masses today by the millions. A couple of the most known writers are the late great planet Earth. That's one of the books. The Left Behind series. Uh, uh, a whole, uh, there's one of them called Who Will Face Tribulation. So they actually know who's going to face tribulation and who's not. And those writers are Hal Lindsey, James Dobson, Tim LaHaye, and many, many more of those. And I didn't realize this, but Tim LaHaye passed away not too long ago, 2016. But he's written over 85 books pertaining to the Left Behind series and everything that came out of that. And I would bet you right now he wishes they would find all of them and destroy them. Mm -hmm. 
just like some of the books I've written in the past, I would like to get some of those back. A lot of them are out on web pages that's going to be there from now on. But, you know, they minister to people where they're at. But these books produce fear. When you don't think they produce fear. And the very first thing that people should have realized that they would have read their Bible, the Bible says God is not the author of fear. So if there's anything you believe God is going to do someday that would bring you fear, that's not from God. Somebody else told you that. These writers told you that. Then all the movies that came out of that. So likewise, the authors of many of these books from the late 1800s forwards that I have read in time periods have always wanted to make everything about us and always wanted to make things about our time period. I have found some really good books. I don't have it anymore, but I inherited a library from a, a lady from Full Gospel Assembly back when her son went to college in the 50s, probably 40s, maybe whatever. And the really old books, and a lot of them are good. But it was always about their dispensation and what God is doing in their dispensation. And it was always, we are going to be sons of God now. And we're going to be, and I'm sure you've seen some of them, where they write things like that. And uh, again, they talk about the third day and they thought it was back then. The next generation thinks it's now. Just like a rapture teaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up, uh, like every three or four years, a rapture was getting ready to take place. <laughs> 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. Go find those caves. Sir? They say they went and looked for those caves. That's right, they did. So it's, it's, uh, it's not coming. The truth is we're not waiting on a special day. We're not waiting on a time of the year. When we do, we deny, deny that which is eternal inside of us. Mm -hmm. And if we're always saying it's going to be better tomorrow, then we never live in the essence of God today, Amen. the essence of spirit today. Yes. We're always saying that we lack something, so we become anti-Christ our life, or we become anti-spirit our life, and we live other than spirit. We live out of a carnal conscious awareness. I'm going to quote this later on, but I will again. The scripture says, greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. The he that's within you is your spirit. The he that's within the world is your conscious awareness or your subconscious. It's into the world or into the cosmos system. So the reason we've not enjoyed the rhythm of life is because we grew up feeding from the banquet that was provided to us from teachers that teach from the knowledge of good and evil. We fed on the wrong wine, if you would. It wasn't the royal wine. It was the wine that was offered us by the heart of church or the Babylonian church, if you would. Mm -hmm. And so we've all bowed down to that Babylonian religion. We all sang the songs of Babylon. Remember uh, Nebuchadnezzar and they built that big statue and they said when all that music started playing to bow down to that to their God statue, well, that's confusion. So we have all bowed down to confusion. We've all worshiped at the altar of confusion. We've all cried with the lyrics that came from confusion because we believed them when we identified them. You know, I've mentioned this before, but we, we have that wonderful song that people love in the sweet by and by. It's sang at almost every funeral I've ever went to from my previous church. I, when my pastor passed away from full gospel, they sang in the sweet by and by. They love that song. Mm -hmm. And then won't it be wonderful there? And then I can only imagine. I know we liked the movie. It was good, but it still says you can only imagine. One of them that I found, I remember, is Revive Us Again. Remember that? I, we never needed to be revived, but Revive Us Again. Then there shall be showers of blessings, you know, and we want those blessings. And I'm bound for the promised land. In other words, it's not here now. And then just more and more and more. So, when we taught what Jesus did and is going to do someday as something that's time sensitive, we taught our salvation and our righteousness was secured by Jesus. 
and will be experienced later on. That we really couldn't experience all of it because we were still sinners and saved, saved by grace. We taught that resurrection life came by Jesus. We thought that righteousness came by Jesus, and it did not. It was revealed by Jesus. All of it was revealed by Jesus. And so we thought we needed to do something to attain all that Jesus brought. We had no clue that Jesus came to reveal. So literally, the truth is, is we were born pregnant with unlimited possibilities, just like a child is born pregnant with the, the, the very DNA, the very life inside of them. They're, they're pregnant with that, to give birth to that themselves. Their mother was impregnated to give birth to them, but within that DNA, with the Holy Spirit that was in them, they were impregnated with life. And there was endless possibilities. Nothing can hold us back whatsoever from that. So we were, uh, we were promised all kinds of benefits from getting saved, from giving our time, giving our talent, right? Given, given our money. The truth is, is we get nothing by giving we release by giving. We don't get anything because we already have it. But it's it, when we when we give out of ourselves, then it releases that to flow. Yes. And as it flows, you enjoy it yourself. Yes. Because who wants to have millions of dollars and never bless anybody, never do anything with it? Remember when I told you I kind of bought into the recession life for just about a week, <coughs> and I told Donna, you know, we need to stop going to movies. We need to stop buying this. All of a sudden, I realized I was, create, I was creating a re recession myself. Yeah. Because if I stop doing business with you and everybody else buys into what I say, then what's going to happen? You're going to have a recession. Uh -huh. I could go out of business. So that's damning up the release. We're here. Money is here to flow. Right? <laughs> Everything is here to flow. So, <laughs> Ann said, do you hear that, Carl? <laughs> that's good. He's, Carl, I'm sorry. <laughs> so... So I want to say this again. The truth is we get nothing by giving anything. We release by giving. We release what we already have by giving. How many dreams have you had of something good coming into your life? We, we all have. I know that. We, we all have dreams of coming good for ourselves and, yes, for others. You know, I've dreamed for a long time of coming good for my daughter. And my daughter just got a really nice raise, and it makes me feel so good yes. that she got that. I was very excited about that. But nevertheless... The you and that you think you are is the dream and the dreamer. The you that you keep dreaming about for coming good is you, is, is you and you're also the dreamer because it's, 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 you, your soul is dreaming the dream of you and that dream is affected by what is in your brain. It's affected by what you believe. It's like we all, Don and I talk about it all the time because I'm a big dreamer. I dream a lot. And you can usually always, unless it's a God dream, which I have those quite often, but if it's not a God dream, I can go look at, th uh, think about things I looked at the day before, mm -hmm. the things I watched, the thing I heard, and my brain takes bits and pieces of that and makes the most awesome or weirdest or freaky <laughs> movie you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. But you know it came from you. That dream is a, a projection of thoughts and beliefs and things that's inside your brain. Mm -hmm. Right? So the dream is everything that is changing. That's what the dream is. It's everything that's changing. But it's possible to realize the changeless and the ageless. Where we don't have to dream about things to come. That we know the things that are already are. To where our dreams are not about future things, but literally we use our imagination, like I always say, to imagine the things of God. I believe we can get to the place when we sleep, we're in full awareness of spirit. I believe we soar in the heavenlies. We can do that. 
to the point that when we're awake, we do that too. Yes. We don't have to be asleep to do that. But most of the time, in most people's lives, they're really the only time that they really get into quietness and stillness is when they're asleep, if they're lucky, if you can, if you can get some sound sleep. So the realization that produces experience cannot be understood with a limited consciousness, which is ego. The me, myself, and I, it's very hard to understand the, the experience uh, and the realization of, of limited consciousness, where there's no limit. Our consciousness is not bound up by carnal things and false beliefs, but our consciousness is fully under the control of spirit. And that's what I've been talking about lately for quite a while, how we need to get to the place where we're consciously aware how we're thinking all day long. We're conscious aware of what our thoughts are when we look at somebody and we see them the way they really are instead of the way their body is projecting themselves to be. So when we live uh, lower than spirit, and spirit is Ruach, right? Adam lived in the cool of the day or walked with God in the cool of the day. That's Ruach, that's spirit. When, when, we, uh, when we no longer live aware of time, then we live in the eternal isness of God, if you would. And time is not something that should affect us. We should affect time. Time was given to us for seasons. You know, there's times for growth and there's times for the, the trees and everything to the sap to go down and just be still and make it through the winter. Yes. And then there's, you know, we have four seasons. We have all those things, but they should not affect us as far as age goes or anything else. And people look at you and kind of look, oh, you're, you're crazy. Well, just because it hasn't been experienced doesn't mean it's not true. That's good. Just because I've never met a hole, hit a hole in one doesn't mean I can't hit a hole in one. <laughs> so we, we want to live above the lower realm, live out of the spirit, and then we give power to the nothingness. Now that sounds funny to say that, but scripture even talks about that. But we give power to the Nothing that, that that is only allowed to be formed against us, but really it has no power over us whatsoever. Paul said, No thing formed against you shall prosper, right? Mm -hmm. So it's nothingness. Literally, what I'm focusing on and, and doing my best to do is seeing this scoliosis mesenteritis as nothingness. Mm -hmm. It's void of life, mm -hmm. it is not life, and I have nothing but life in me, so it is illegally there. And, and, and yes, we do allow it. We shouldn't condemn ourselves for it or whatever, but we do allow it because Paul said, all are weak, all are sick, and all die in lunacy for not dissecting the body, not discerning who they are. The majority of our life, we really did not discern who we were at all. Most of my life, I was taught that I was just a sinner saved by grace, and I wasn't holy or righteous. So in the book of Job, it's recorded of Job speaking much about wisdom. We see a lot of psalm about wisdom, but Job talks a lot about wisdom. And according to Job, wisdom comes from nothingness. That's what it says in scripture. Wisdom comes from nothing. In other words, wisdom, wisdom really does not come from carnal knowledge and carnal understanding. In other words, wisdom comes from nothing without. That's what he was saying. Nothing without. And so people think all these marvelous inventions and all these, uh, cures that have, you know, in the medical industry, there's been some supernatural things that they've done. You know, just like putting an artificial knee in. Yeah. If, where do you think that knowledge came from? It came from, not from without, it came from within. They may not give credit to it, but they, they, they reached into the very spirit of God yes. and heard truth. Yes. Just like I've told you before, Sister Gardner from Full Gospel Assembly 
had an eye problem and the doctor could not heal her and he prayed and he asked God to help him. He tried everything from without to help her and it yes. wasn't helping her. Yes. He went to sleep. He saw himself in a dream taking blood out of her arm and putting three drops of blood in each eye, patching her eye up for three days, taking it off and she could see he did it and she would, she could see. Wow. Now, did that come from without or from within? From within. It came from within. No now, not all by, so all true knowledge comes from, from within. All scientific knowledge, y'all, even uh, pharmaceutical, they have made some drugs that help people. Mm -hmm. It all came from within. But what happens is the without greediness takes over, if you would. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And brings a lot of problem. So in the book of Job, it's very important for us to understand that. So all true wisdom comes from spirit, which is Father God. You cannot see spirit, can you? No. You can see spirit slowed down to visibility. I can see you and I know your spirit, but I can't see spirit. God is invisible all by himself. But in us, God is on display, as I've said for so, before. So you can see what spirit takes the form of, but spirit is like wind. I can't see wind, but I can see what it does. Mm -hmm. I can feel wind. Mm -hmm. I can experience wind. So I can experience spirit. I can feel spirit. I can hear spirit. I can be moved by spirit. I sense spirit, but I don't see spirit. Yes. Correct? Yes. So according to John 3, 8, Jesus said this. And he said wind, but if you look up the wind, it's spirit. The spirit blows where it desires. And you hear, and I like this when I looked it up, you hear the tone thereof. Remember I said when we tune in to the, to, to the A piano and the violin's tuned in, it vibrates. You can hear that. You can tune in to the tone of spirit. So you hear the tone thereof but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Likewise, is everyone procreated a spirit. Now, the way they wrote it is likewise is everyone that's born again or whatever. But literally, John was saying, likewise is us also. We are spirit, and we're just like spirit. You can't necessarily see spirit in me, but you can experience spirit. I hope all of you have experienced spirit through me. That is my desire that you experience me more spiritual than you do currently or physically. So our brain... Our awareness exists, the existence is not the problem. We need a brain, yeah. right? We gotta have a brain. Uh, on the contrary, the areas we identify ourselves with what comes from its independent thought or independent thinking. What I mean by that is independent from spirit, mm -hmm. independent thinking. We've all had thinking that's not spirit. Yes. We've all had thought that's not spirit. Yes, that's one of our greatest enemies as we sit there and we hear that stuff, we identify with it, and we have affairs with it. Mm -hmm. And again, we make whole stories out of it. Yeah. We make dreams out of it. We, whatever you want to say, that happens. So the illusion is we are limited self. That's our illusion. It's a lie. You are not limited. Carl, I know that you've experienced this before because I have too. I've had many times in, in doing some kind of construction or trying to fix something. I just couldn't figure it out. But when I kind of got still, and have you ever prayed and asked the Lord to show yeah. you how to do something? And all of a sudden, it just it just showed up. Yeah. I am not a mechanic. Donna can tell you, I am not a mechanic. You ask me to work on that car out there, I won't even attempt to work on that car. But many years ago, I went hunting with uh, Melvin Judkins and Larry Kayser. We went to the Kaimishi Mountains. We had uh, four-wheelers. We were real excited about them. And so mine overheated. And I was trying to start it, trying to start it, and it, all of a sudden the spring broke inside there where you pull the string up. I opened it up and everything fell apart out there in the woods, out there in the woods. And so 
finally, I was working on it and trying to figure out what to do. And I could not figure out how to get that back together in the spring and all that. And I just said, Lord, in my little bit of understanding back then, I knew nothing like I know today at all. I said, Lord, you know all things. You, you revealed to the people that invented this how to make this. And you can show me right now how to fix. I need to be able to get home. I thought I was lost in the jungle for life and I was only one block away from our cabin. <laughs> we, we, we spent the night there freezing. But you know what? All of a sudden, supernaturally, I picked up a piece and I just began to do it. It was like, it wasn't like I was being led by the voice of spirit and I put that baby together, screwed it all in there, started up and got home. That did not come from outer understanding. I didn't have a mechanic with me. My friends didn't know how to do it. It came from the very Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that we don't know if we would learn to tap into that. Mm -hmm. But our illusion is we're a limited self. To realize oneness, you must realize our Holy Spirit until you disappear into it. Until mm -hmm. you, yourself, me, myself, and I disappears into spirit to where the two become one. It's like the ocean. If you jump in the ocean and you sink down in there, you disappear into the ocean, don't you? All people see is water. That's all they see is the water. So although the language is different, almost all ancient teachings point towards a cessation of self-activity and self-centered activity. Now the church has mistakenly called that dying to self. We don't have to die to self. I didn't die on the cross the way we were taught. I didn't die with Jesus the way we were taught. What died with Jesus was the confusion in man. When Paul said it's no longer I, then all of a sudden we realize that's ego. And so the rest of his writings, when he said, I died with Christ, I did this, I did this, he's saying ego died with Jesus. Does that make sense to you? Ego died with Jesus. Me, myself, and I died with Jesus. So we need what is titled, which I found in, a t in something I'm reading, it's called a prayer of quiet. A lot of times our prayers are too loud. <laughs> a lot of noise. A lot of pleading, a lot of demanding. We grew up that way. Demanding God, screaming, hollering at God. Sometimes we just need to do what we read before, be still and ascertain and seek to know God. Mm -hmm. Because if you have to demand and holler and shout, you don't know God. If I have to ask you guys for something and demand and plead, I don't know you because I know every one of you. If I ask you for something that's within you to do it, you'll do it. I know that without a shadow of doubt. So that when that happens, it's 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 a it brings us to a place uh, where all layers of a sense of self are revealed as nothingness. All layers of a sense of self is revealed as nothingness. Then one becomes free from self and all of its concepts. And a turning point in our fashioning, the word transform, you know where Paul said, do not be conformed to this outer world anymore, but be ye transformed by the renewing mind. That word transform means fashion. Fashion yourself as who you are. You know, if Janet came in here today and she's dressed in old dirty clothes and raggedy clothes and holes in her, you know, and you could just tell they're, and I know she's got wonderful clothes. I, I would just say, Janet, why don't you fashion yourself as who you are? You know, that this is your, your fashion. I have a certain fashion I like to wear. But what we've done is we let religiosity put a fashion on us that's not our true fashion. Does that make sense to you? It's, it's a, it's a, you can look at people and, 
They're, they're down and they're oppressed. You can go to churches all over the place and see people walking in that just radiate a false sense of who they are because they've not been taught who they really are. So that word transform means to fashion yourself, not according to the world, but according to who you really are. Lean to your spirit. Fashion yourself as spirit. Go about in this earth treading about as spirit. Whenever you speak, speak these things. Don't speak contrary to who you are. Amen. And too many people, too many of us are doing that. Mm -hmm. You can look at Facebook and it's unbelievable what things put people put on there and that's not who they really are. But they just feel free to do it. I'm free, you know. There's no judgment now. There's no condemnation so I can act any way I want to. Well, who wants to act the way you did before? I want to, if, if I'm a millionaire, I want to act like a millionaire. Yes. I want to enjoy myself. By the way, if any of you guys won that $1.6 billion, you need to cash it in. I think it's already expired. Did you hear that? Nobody cashed it in. I know. It's crazy. That'd be fun living that way. So, at this point, you, you can let go of all the wrong perceptions of who you, who you think you are and who you think others are. That's what we're, we're dealing with here is letting go of all these false perceptions, casting down vain imaginations. And how do you do that? By knowing and speaking the truth. Many people can't do that because they don't know the truth. They identify with a vain imagination. Mm -hmm. They've done it, so they think that's who they are. I've lied, so I think I'm a liar. Mm -hmm. Or I've stolen, so I think I'm a thief. You know, I eat too much ice cream, so I think I'm a whatever that would be, a glutton. Thank you, Rod. I appreciate that. <laughs> My daughter brought me a, a shake last night, and she brought me a great big one, and I thought, oh, but I ate it. <laughs> With a smile on your face. Well, I didn't want to disappoint her. <laughs> so there's no self, and there's no you who awakens, actually, because you already are who you are. It's your conscious awareness awakening to who you are. I'm not awakening to become something. I'm awakening to the fact that I already am that something and I am something yeah. right thank you and you are too so what we're awakening from then is the illusion of a, of a, of a separate self yes an illusion of a separate self this world needs this because this world sees themselves as selfish that's where all the isms come from mm -hmm. racism you know you can just there's a lot of isms out there and there's there's separation because we see ourselves as better than somebody else mm -hmm. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know where that all came from. Well, I do. It came from me, myself, and I. Yeah. It came from seeking from being separate. So you are already who you are. So we are not transformed into something that we're not. We're fashioning ourselves to who we really are. We're, what Paul said, putting on and we're taking off. If Again, if Janet came to church dressed that way, I would say, Janet, why don't you take that stuff off and throw it away and put on your beautiful clothes that was provided for you? But what did we do in church? We confirmed to them who they were. We yeah. talked about their filthy rags. Mm -hmm. And people identified with that. And we were never told to take that off and put on who you are yes. and your understanding. So the Apostle Paul told the community of believers in Rome that it is high, and this is how he said it, it's high time... Now, out of sleep, to awake now, for nearer is your salvation than which you believed. Mm 
That's how he said it. I paraphrase a little bit, but he said it's high time now out of sleep, which is hupinos, H-U-P-N-O-S, and it means spiritual to pour. In other words, inactivity. To pour, T-O-R-P-O-R is inactivity. Wake out of that inactivity to awake for near is your salvation. How near is it? It's in you. You were born with it. Salvation means rescued. Mm -hmm. You were rescued from the very foundation of the world. The, the, what you were rescued is not that you were in a bad state. You were rescued from ever getting in a bad state. Mm -hmm. See, if we would have known what God decreed and declared from the foundation of the world, we would never identify with being a sinner. Mm -hmm. That's my rescue. Good. Donna's rescue, you know, not that she needed it, but Donna's rescue is she mar married me. And when I married her, I told her I would take care of the rest of her life. So she never had to experience lack because of my commitment to her. And she really never did, did you, baby? We've never lacked anything. And that's just a physical picture of God, what God decreed and declared is we would never experience lack ever. We would never be without anything to the point that Peter said, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness already. If we understood that, then that would rescue us from believing the lie. Not rescue us from a bad state. Am I, is that clear there? Okay, thank you. So in other words, he said, salvation was eternally theirs. It always belonged to them. They never had to get it, and they never lost it. So it's time for us to become abandoned to living as spirit. No longer me, myself, and I. And I'm doing my very best to write and to teach and to preach this pure, undeceitful word that will make us free. Because that's what Jesus said when he said, the truth will make you free. That word truth is uh, undeceitful. And what I want is I want the recipient of what I teach to see and feel and experience immortality. I don't want you or me to live in a mindset of liable to die any minute because it ain't no fun. When they diagnose you with something that could bring death, it, you bet, you've got to know that you know because that's a big old voice speaking against you. And thank God you have people surrounding you to help you around that. So as we embrace these truths, me, myself, and I are being swallowed up of life. As you embrace them, and that's the key, you have to embrace it. It can't just sound good. It can't be, boy, Roy teached a good sermon Sunday, or Kay taught a good sermon. You know, I've heard people say that many times, and I say, well, what did they teach? I don't know, but it was really good. <laughs> what was the title? I don't know, but it was really good. But these things we've got to embrace, these great truths were available for every generation. And they are available world without end to everybody. However, they were not em embraced by the leaders of what we call the church. The church did not embrace the truth. The, the church system did not see with Father's love as they were reading the Bible and realize that what they're reading did not fit the love of God, that it just didn't work. So we want to embrace that and nothing but the truth and abandon all sense of self so that the way, the truth, and life will be the way that we want to live. And once we do, we realize we are no longer changed to living as earthbound humans, that we are actually supernatural. We really are. We can awaken to the spirit. We're, we don't have to awaken to all that which is without. What is without, God has given to us to enjoy, but also to reveal himself. Everything glorifies our Father. Flowers, trees, the mountain, it all enjoys the Father. God made it for us to enjoy but we can enjoy that living a spirit and it'll be much greater for us. So as we've said, there is a deathless life and there is our spirit life. 
uh, what Father decided to create from the foundation of the world, there is no death in man whatsoever. It doesn't belong to us. Our bodies are to demonstrate who we are. Be who you be. That's what Dudley Hall said. Be who you be. <clears throat> so our bodies uh, are holy. Our bodies are pure. Our bodies are righteous. Our bodies are perfect. And our bodies are whole. Correct? No matter how they feel, no matter what they look like, this is the truth. So this is an interesting word I discovered today. There is a parad... I hope I'm saying it right, paradisical. It's P-A-R-A-D-I-S-I-A-C-A-L. And it's a, it's a life for us, which is eternally ours, and it's, it means heavenly. That word means heavenly. The Bible, uh, I, people think there's a planet called heaven out there somewhere, and they can't wait to go to it because it's been described so beautiful, and we're going to have all the gold we want, you know, all the mansions we want, all the fish we want, everything in the world. But if you look up the word heaven in the Bible, it says the abode of God. So what is the abode of God? Everything. All creation is the abode of God. But we are the, the, his special abode. Paul said, what? Know you not that you are the temple of God? You are the naos. You're not just part of the temple. You're the entire temple of God. God lives in us. So literally, we are the heavens. And yes, when I say that, people will say, well, don't you believe in heaven? I believe that our loved ones are in the heavenly. I believe they're in the spirit realm, just like we are. I believe they're all around us. I don't believe they're a million my ear, a lot years away. My mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, Donna's family, they're around us. They are. Yeah. And people sense them all the time. WD's here with us. Mm -hmm. You know, we miss their physical body. Miss being able to talk to them. You know, I can't hear them. I sense my father-in-law a lot. Mm -hmm. my, my dad came to me in a dream once to help me with a situation. But I haven't sensed my brother, sister, or my mother at all, but I know they're here. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't have to sense them. I think sometimes the Lord helps people that just don't understand to do that. But they're here. Mm -hmm. So heaven is real, but it's here on earth. This is where God put us mm -hmm. to live forever. So the problem is because of many years of wrong teaching, the heavenly is thought to be someplace out there in the future. And I was thinking about Randy Owen. You ever heard the author or the singer Randy Owen? He wrote the song, uh, There's a Land That's Fairer Than Day. You don't remember that song, There's a Land That's Fairer Than Day? It says, there, there's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet by and by, that's the song, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall sing on that beautiful shore. It's always shell. The melody song, uh, the, the melody songs of the blessed and our spirits shall sorrow no more, not a sigh for the blessing of rest to our bountiful Father above. We will offer our tribute of praise for the glorious gift of his love and blessings that hollow our days. So again, these types of songs have produced death. Mm -hmm. And death is what? No knowledge, no understanding. They have produced death to the unforced rhythms of life because we were always taught it's in the future and we're always trying to obtain it, always trying to get there, always trying to get something special in our life. Truth is, again, life is sickless, life is deathless, and life is sorrowless. Sickless, deathless, and sorrowless. There's no thing that needs to be restored because nothing was lost. And that's what we think. The only thing that was lost was man's awareness. And that's why scripture said that Jesus came to 
rescue our awareness. I have people, hear people quote it all the time. They'll say Jesus came to save the lost. But if you, if you read it, it says Jesus to came to save that which was lost. And save means rescue. So what was lost? You guys tell me. What was lost? Awareness. Man's awareness. That's right. Man's awareness of themselves and man's awareness of God. So my conversation to those who hear what I teach and read and what I write is that each one will bring all things into the now of their existence. That's my desire for you. And what I've taught here and what I've taught out of living out of our, uh, living as Holy Spirit and uh, what Kay and I taught and Kay did it first on living out of our spiritual resources, we want you to bring that into the nowness along with us because that's what we're after. And so these things are spiritually discerned and when we discern these things and we know these things, then it brings it into existence for our realization. It brings us where we can see it. Once we see it, we know it's ours. It belongs to us. And then what do we do? We walk and we live in the very full glory, the doxa, the very weight of God. You are the weight of God. Everything God is, you are today. So if you grew up in a religion, I know you love Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. I do. I love Jesus. However, I do not long for Jesus to come back someday. And that makes people very mad at me. I don't follow Jesus. I follow my Holy Spirit. I follow the very same spirit that Jesus' spirit did. John said, let the same spirit be in you that was in Jesus. He considered not robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself and became a servant to all people. I'm listening to the voice of spirit like Jesus did. He probably heard more perfectly than me, but I'm getting where I hear more and more and more. Don and I was talking about how some of the students at Global Grace Seminary, was, uh, I had a couple of calls from Canada this week, and they were talking about how they were writing their, uh, their essay on the courses that I wrote and some of the other teachers wrote. And it's something like, I think they had to write 2,500 words. And I said, how much is that? And they said, it's like, like it was really a mountain. They said, five pages. And I, I said, I didn't mean it, but one lady, I said, I can write five pages in about an hour and a half to two hours. You know, it, take, it takes them a week. Well, the reason why is because, like Donna told me, I'm fully aware of a lot. Yeah. I'm used to listening to my voice and my spirit. Many years ago, the Lord told me I could stop transcribing and that he would dictate to me. And so when I'm in here writing, I just hear this verse and I hear this statement. I'm reminded of all, it just comes. And I'm so thankful for that. Yes. That it's, it's literally easy. It's no longer hard. But the key to it was like Kay said, you must use the filter or the lens of the love of God. Now I understand the eternal love of God. And I have spent many years of studying and I'm not giving that credit for it. But I'm, I, I believe we can get to the point where we're, we, we are discerning properly and we're knowing things and it brings us a great freedom, a great freedom to where, I don't know what else I want. I'm trying to think of something I want to say. To the point that we're quit waiting for Jesus to come back and do something and knowing that we're the answer for the world today. And I'm going to show you scripture in a minute that shows you that, that you are the light of the yes. world. The, the religiosity teaches that Jesus is the light of the world and Jesus has to come back and do something. But Jesus was the only one that was living the light of the world when he was there. Yes. Everybody was the light. And then John later on comes on and said, now the true light is here and that's man. <laughs> man wants Jesus to be the light because they want to seek his hands. They want to seek what he could do for them. But it brought no permanence of life. They all died, Right? And they all, after Jesus left, 
They didn't live out of anything. And Paul tried his best to teach the truth, but religion came in and destroyed it. So this is the full life that always was and always will be. It is our paradisical life or that cool of the day living. When it said walked, when it said that Adam walked with God, that meant he lived this life out of the Spirit. That's what he did. So we have the ability of living Holy Spirit and being the influence of Holy Spirit is the salt of the earth. Remember Jesus said you're the salt of the earth? So if you're living as Holy Spirit, you're the salt of the earth. What does salt do to food? It gives it flavor. I make guacamole every Friday night. I have friends in Chickasha, Oklahoma that love it. And I've finally come up with my own recipe and I make it. But until I put salt, all that flavor doesn't come out. And if you put too much, it's, it's not bearable. That's why we have to be careful sometimes we give people too much. We need to give just enough to give it flavor that they can enjoy it. And it brings that flavor out, out of there for them. So we're the salt of the earth. We're the lifters up. It's our job to lift people up, right? That's why I like to go lift people's head up. I see people sometimes bow down and they don't look up and I'll lift their head up and say, hey, raise your head up, you're beautiful. Uncover your mouth. You ever seen people that cover their mouth all the time? You know, don't do that. You're beautiful. And we're the magnet that draws men unto who they really are. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. We're the magnet that draws men to who they really are. We are the face of God. We're the image of our Father. We are Father God on display. So Jesus said during his discourse on the mount, they call it the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? If it's lost its flavor, how is the earth going to be flavored? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot. You are the light of the world. And see, people have argued with me when I told them that we're the true light. But Jesus talked to those people on that mountain that were not religious-minded people, except for Judeo religion. They didn't know anything else. But he said, you're the light of the world. No, we want you to be the light. We want you to do the work. There's nothing we can do. We're just hanging on until you come back. And he said, no, guys, you're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a, a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Yes. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine, which is your Holy Spirit, and that's who you are. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father, which is in you and in them. I paraphrase that there. The word heaven, again, means boat of God. We are the boat of God. So I would say what is taught uh, from religiosity is flavorless and bitter. Right? Yes. But we were so used to eating it, we were eating dung and we thought it was good. Mm -hmm. That's why Paul said he considered everything he came out of to be dung. I mean, he, that's a strong word that he used, to be done. It's thenceforth good for nothing but to cast out and be trodden under foot of men. That's what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. And that's a bold statement to say. But if it, if it produces bitterness in your life and sorrowness in your life, it's done. It's not God. So we're trampling it out with this undeceitful word that makes man experience their true freedom. Many teachers, I'm going to close pretty quick here. Yeah. Many teachers, uh, when you study consciousness, I've done a lot of studying on consciousness in the last probably five, six, seven years, 
they say there's three states of consciousness, but I believe there's four. One is waking consciousness. So that's our, that's our conscious awareness. We're awake and we're conscious of everything that's going on around us. That's waking consciousness. Then there's dreaming consciousness. When you're literally asleep, if you would, and you're dreaming, there's a consciousness there. But sometimes that can be while you're awake. You ever been dreaming while you're awake? You ever just zoned out? Your, your body's awake, but you, you enter into a dream state. Mm -hmm. That's what I've talked about many times where I'll be at uh, one place and all of a sudden, three miles later, I have no awareness of how I got there. Mm -hmm. I entered into a dream, if you would. That's dangerous. Oh, that's scary. I know. I don't know how that happens and we don't run off the road. Then there's deep sleep. There's deep sleep consciousness where you're just really completely out and you're really listening to what's with deep within your subconscious. And then I say there's oneness consciousness. That's where we want to get to. Oneness consciousness can affect your waking consciousness. It can affect your dreaming consciousness and it can affect your deep sleep consciousness. Yes. It, can, it can literally destroy that which is in your subconscious that is hindering you. That's where you do what you, when you would do good, you do evil because there's sin in your members. That sin is the lie that's in your subconsciousness. Yes. And it can affect your waking consciousness because you, whatever you're conscious of comes through the, the lens of love and it comes through the lens of the truth. And so what you see is you see beyond what's been presented and you see truth. That's where God said he sees the end, end from the beginning. God sees it the way he created us from the beginning. It's us that sees ourselves wrong, wrong. And it's us that sees other people wrong. So the fourth is what we want to be grounded in because it's the greatest of all awarenesses is oneness. This is what the Bible calls Christ consciousness or our people call it Christ consciousness, which is really our Holy Spirit consciousness. Oneness consciousness says, uh, stays present with all the full use of the body functions. When I know I'm one, that affects my body functions. That affects my senses, my eyes, what I see, my ears, what I hear, my taste, my smell, my touching, it affects that. They're used to bless people instead of receive from people, if you would. It, it doesn't vacillate to and fro. It's not affected by outward changes. It's not affected uh, anything from without. It's, it's the stillness and it's the unmoving center spot, uh, start of, excuse me, center spot of all things, which is spirit. God is the center of all things. God is the center of the universe. Everything surrounds around spirit. But the problem is everything out here around it, I was thinking when I was writing this this morning, of a hurricane. And the center of the hurricane is what? Stillness. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you've ever been in a hurricane, I haven't. I think it would be really cool to be there when the eye goes over to experience that. But as it's coming and going all around it, it's calamity, it's destruction, all kinds of stuff. But right there in the middle is stillness. That stuff may be real, but literally, if you can get into the center of who you be, your spirit, it can affect everything that's going on out here. It can change everything that's going on out here. Right? And that's why I talked about using that, that, that uh, prayer of, of silence of just being quiet. Entering into the quietness and the stillness of God will change your circumstances. Amen. When you're out here trying to change it, it just gets worse and worse and worse. So the stillness is unmoving. 
No weapon formed against me can prosper there. No liable to die mentality can prosper there. No sense of lack can prosper there. No insecurity can prosper there. Whatever you want to put in that, it's unmoving. Thoughts, feelings, sensations, and energy around, uh, revolves around it, which is spirit, at the circumference of it. But the degree of stillness at the I amness remains in the center, in the center of stillness. We want to remain in the center of our being. Greater is He that's within you. So when you remain in the greater is He that's within you, your awareness of I am does not come and go, even the state of consciousness changes. And I have to tell you, most of my life, a lot of it has come and gone by the circumstances of the world. When I get a miracle and a bless, I'm happy, I'm wonderful, and I'm testifying. But when it all goes away and something else comes, then I vacillate back, vacillate back to a need consciousness and a gloom, doom, and despair, if you would. I like this. I found this in the Song of Solomon this morning. It's Psalm 5.2, and I paraphrased it. He said, I sleep, but my heart, which is spirit, is awake. When you sleep, your spirit's awake. Yes. Your spirit's always awake. Your sleep never slumbers. I mean, your spirit never slumbers. So... I sleep, but my spirit is awake. It is the voice of my spirit. That's what he's saying. And when I sleep, I can hear the voice of my spirit. In the midst of any kind of storm whatsoever, if I stay in the center, then the voice is spirit. The voice is not the lie. And the voice is what we've been tuned into. Yes. So the realization of eternal consciousness is spoken in the words of Jesus. He said, before Abraham was I am. He was teaching an eternal consciousness. He was very aware that before even Abraham was, I am. And Jesus was fully aware of oneness, so he was in that state. Before for Abraham was ever born from his mother, we were in God. We always were in God. We always were of God. We were always one with God and always will be one with God. Oneness is a timeless state of consciousness in varying stages of maturity, spiritual maturity. Now, what is spiritual maturity? It doesn't mean I pray better than somebody else and I know a lot more as far as, you know, natural knowledge. Spiritual maturity is based on how much you know about what Jesus came to reveal to us. Spiritual maturity is, how, is based on how much you know about yourself and others. When you know everybody is righteous and holy, I would say you're pretty spiritually mature. Yeah. When you can look at anybody anywhere whether they're a murderer, a raper, a child abuser, Hitler, Timothy McVeigh in Oklahoma, and say they're righteous and they're holy, and I know that, and I don't judge them anything but righteous. That's when you're mature. Now, that doesn't mean you have to allow people to do things to you. And you don't have to run around with people that are living far below their nature, you know. But you've got to love them because you, they're you. When you're treating them bad, you're treating yourself bad. Because we're all one. When you're speaking bad, you're speaking bad of yourself. Mm -hmm. So oneness is organic, as I said earlier. Sometimes it's merciful, though, just to... Sometimes what, baby? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oneness is organic. Oneness is living. Anything other than that is not living. It's like we said before we started this. You know, there's a lot of food out there that's not organic. It's got all kinds of chemicals in it. It's got poison in it. It's got preservatives in it. It's not living and it's not producing life. And that's why I pray over my food and I say, Father, I believe this is only going to bring life to me. You know, anything in it that's a weapon is not going to uh, formed against me. And I 
try a little bit to eat real good. I mean, I can't say I'm, this prednisone is making me hungry constantly. Yeah. I don't think I've ever snacked like I snack right now. But it grows, oneness awareness grows over time. I'm very aware that I can't just tell you that you need to live out of your oneness and you're just going to do it today. It's from glory to glory, from appearing to appearing. The more you see it, the more you live out of it, the more you want it. You know, when, when they started building this house for me and Donna, most of it was built already, but the more it started coming together, the more we couldn't wait to get in here. Mm -hmm. We just kept getting more and more excited till finally it was done. And we were fully aware that this is our home and this is where we live and nobody can take it away from us. So in closing, when we spend more time in oneness awareness in the now, you receive and take more direction from your Holy Spirit. That's one of the things that's helped me be able to write what I write and teach what I write today, presently, is because my awareness of oneness has become greater and greater. I do not see my myself as separate from God whatsoever. Do I do things that don't represent who I am? Yes, I do, sometimes. But I, I don't let that condemn me. I just realize that those are things that just still need to be exposed to truth. And the more and more truth comes, it goes away. Uh, it's called the voice of one, the mind of God, or our soul. And, and less from, a, less from a, con, a condition structure that we were taught of man. And we're trying to get rid of that condition, uh, sensory man uh, condition of who we thought we were. I'm not who I was told that I was. I'm who God says I am. So this is how one becomes free from that uh, one that's within them, that, excuse me, that one that's in the world and begins to live out of the one that's within them as spirit. And when we lean to our spirit, the inner wiring of our brain begins to change. You know, the people that have Asperger's, their brains wire different, right? It's a, it's a, it's a defect, whatever it is. They're, they just say their brains wire different. But I believe our inner wiring can be changed. I believe our inner wiring yes. can confirm to our true mind of Christ. And one is no longer identified with the self-structure of the outer world then. Our Father, Creator, loves us so much. Most of us have no clue in the world, no clue how much God loves them. Agape love is the purest love, the purest love there is. And it never lessens and it never fails. It never turns their back on you. It's, it's perfect. The Apostle John wrote of how powerful the love of Father God is. He said in 1 John 4.18, There is no fear in love. Why were we afraid of God, Norma? Because we were lied to about God and we believed it. He said, there's no fear in love, but perfect, which is understanding, perfect love casts out fear. Yeah. Are any of you afraid of God anymore? Mm -hmm. Are you afraid to die mm -hmm. if your body lets go? How many people do you know that are afraid for their body to let go? They're just not sure what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It cast out all fear, because fear hath no torment. I mean, love, excuse me, love has no torment. He that feareth does not understand Father's perfect love. That's all there is. If somebody's afraid, you just, the best thing you can say, you know what? Your only problem is, is you don't understand the love of God. Do you mind if I tell you? I know how you feel, because I used to feel that way, but I found out something. Do you mind if I tell you what I found out? What does that feel felt found? I felt the same way. Do you mind if I tell you what I found out? You have nothing to be afraid of Amen. whatsoever. So there can be no greater relationship or love than oneness. And this actual realization of oneness is so simple 
that it's always misconstrued through language, which produces dualism. Mm -hmm. Language, man's language, man's sense, their perception, it produces dualism and it shows you a separate from God. It has been obscured by many layers of consciousness as a wrong awareness. And like the sun, I was thinking about that this morning, like the sun, when it's cloudy, the sun's hidden in it. There's all kinds of storms and everything, but as it begins to go away and go away, the sun shines through yes. and you see the yes. sun. Amen. It's dropped, if you would. Each layer is dropped and the sun shines, S-O-N. Hallelujah. Let the sun shine. You are the sun. Yes. Amen. Amen. So we're just peeling those layers away a little bit at a little bit, mm -hmm. from precept to precept, from glory to glory. And the more and more that happens, the sun's shining. And no matter what the world looks like, no matter how dark it is, the sun is a whole lot brighter. Yes, amen. I don't right. fear the dark when I come in this house. I just flip the switch. Amen. You know, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear something in another room? Turn you on. turn lights <laughs> on, right? And then fear goes away. Right. You find out it was nothing there. It was the air conditioner came on or or so, you know, Donna and I have had this happen many times. Not anymore because Donna finally cleaned all of her cabinets out in the kitchen. But in the middle of the night, we'll hear something. We'll hear something fall, you know. And I jump out of bed and come in and turn the light on, and that goosebump comes. Hair rises up on the back of my head because I think somebody's in my house and don't find anything. And the next day or two or three days later, I open up a cabinet and a glass fell down. It was on top of something that fell over or whatever. So just just turn the light on. That's what we're doing. Amen. Amen. Sorry I didn't look at the camera today. I had to use my iPad. So if any of you out there know why my Facebook uh, on my phone is fuzzy, what the problem is, I'd appreciate it if you'd let me know. I can't figure it out. I uh, downloaded a new version of Facebook, and it's still fuzzy, so I'm using my iPad right now. So it's fine. So we love you. We appreciate you being here. Hi, Karen and Marsha and everybody else on here. We appreciate you. Keep me in your prayers. We love you very much, and we uh, look forward to seeing you again next week. Sharon Anderson jumped on. Hi, Sharon. Can God bless you. you. Spell that word that means.